When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Guys, that was a, uh, a much-needed series win, a much-needed series sweep. Pete Alonso may have saved this entire fan base with that home run because, boy, you could just feel the climate changing even on social media during the uh, the late innings, uh, I guess the seventh inning of, uh, of Game 2 on Thursday. But, boy, the, you know... Heading into the buzzsaw that the Mets are heading into over the next couple of weeks, they have four consecutive series against the Dodgers, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Giants. No, we're not skipping. That's the next four series. It's not going to be um, it's not going to be easy. This team has played up to competition all year. They have been stuck in one of the most unproductive ruts that I can remember offensively. Um, for any team in a very, very long time. Uh, and the Mets just, they came out against the Nationals, a team that's floundering, to say the least, who could very well end up in the National League East basement before the season runs out. And they just, they came alive again. They showed life. And, and honestly, I know I've said it a bunch of times, but this team's been doing this all year long. They keep on rising from the dead. For the longest time, it was, you know, Come back and maybe you win. Now it's on a much larger scale. Now it's the season they're talking about. And you have to come back into this thing and show that same level of fight that you did earlier in the season when, you know, everything was on the ropes and it was only May. Um, You know, we've talked about taking this whole season as a whole into account. I know I'm redundant there. And, And maybe the missteps there. But it doesn't matter at this point. All that matters is what's happening moving forward. And, you know, over these last three games, which, you know, it it, uh, it was a, a choppy three-game series between all the, uh, the the thunderstorms rolling in just at the right time to uh, to set things off in, in Queens. But, you know, between Tuesday and Wednesday, the Mets overcame two three-run deficits. Um, on In game one on Monday, you had – Brandon Nimmo just, you know, leading the way offensively. He had all four runs batted in. Marcus Stroman continued his just terrific stretch. I want to say, so in the second half, he's uh, 2.91 ERA and 1.12 whip. That's over six second half starts, 34 innings pitched, 31 strikeouts, five walks. It's 2.79 ERA in the season, which... You know, it just that just says consistency right there because we've seen it. He's been a little off in the second half, and he's still putting up the same exact numbers. If you look at it uh, from from a you know take a step back and look at it, I should say, and that ERA ranks eighth in baseball. He's tied with Kyle Gibson of the Phillies, who I'm sure the Mets are going to see many more times, uh, or at least a few more times over the uh, throughout the end of the year. Uh, you know, it's the consistency has been a godsend. Um, especially considering the 
uncertainty that this Mets rotation has found itself in. You know, you're missing DeGrom, you're missing Cookie for all half the year. Uh, Syndergaard's still working his way back. The back end between Peterson, you know, it, it's been a... Um, it's been a roller coaster, and even with Taiwan Walker, the ups and downs, and he, he's been really coming back around. I know he's been letting up runs early, but he seems to be finding his groove very quickly after that, and that's a very promising development. But, you know, as far as Strowman goes, uh, a few more starts like this down the stretch where he's put, he's given you six or close to it, and you know, he's keeping his ERA manageable and, you know, he, I don't know if he's going to get serious consideration for Cy Young, but his name's going to be in the conversation. He's going to get some votes if he finishes up with numbers like these. And, you know, that coinciding with, uh, you know, the Mets push towards the postseason couldn't hurt. But, you know, let's take it one thing at a time. Even Trevor Williams, he started in game two, performed excellently. He got through the first three innings on 27 pitches, finished out at 4.1 innings, let up an earned run over that span, that's really not bad at all. You know, you have to assume we'll see more of him down the stretch. Um, the bullpen throughout the series was great. Uh, you know, marking out that that seventh inning between uh, May and Familia. But, um, you know, I think up to that point, it was nine innings of scoreless ball from the bullpen. That's always going to play. That's always going to work. Um, and again, you know, things could have certainly gone a little bit uh, smoother, but it is what it is. This is baseball. You can't count a team out, um, especially a scrappy team like the Nats. I think they said it on the broadcast. They've struck out less than any other team in baseball this year. doesn't matter who's in the lineup. Um, it, we've seen them. They, they took a lot of really nice at-bats. Josh Bell's still there. Juan Soto's still there. This team's going to fight back, you know, it's the Nationals playing against the Mets. They're always going to find something to uh, to build off of, and that's kind of the same mentality the Mets have to have. Fortunately for this group, of course, in Game 2, Pete Alonso made everything right after that little fallout. Uh, an absolute rainmaker, rainbow shot that just landed on the uh, other side of the left, I guess, left center field wall, more like left, the, the M&M wall. Uh, I don't know if the fan out there in the M&M seats caught it, but he had it up in the air within seconds. I, I hope he caught it. I didn't see a better replay. I'm just re recording this a couple of minutes after uh, after he closed out. But, uh, you know, these are the types of things that have to happen uh, for this team to, to get back in the, in the groove. I, I mean, you have – just look at the offense. Where's, where's my offensive numbers here? Here we go. So this is over the three-game series. Just in the first two games alone, the Mets, one through four hitters, went 14 for 31. That's going to play. That's exactly – that's the formula for this team succeeding on the offensive side of the dish, uh, of the chalk. Pete Alonso, who, again, with the big walk-off home run in, in the to, to complete the sweep, he finished the series 6-for-12 with three doubles. Brandon Nimmo went 4-for-12. Again, a huge three-run homer in Game 1 to set the tone. Four runs scored in the series, four RBIs just on in, in Game 1 alone. Michael Conforto, who we've talked about at length here and who struggled so much over the – Pretty much whenever he's been here. If he's not on the IL, uh, he's been struggling. Finally looking to snap out of it. He's got a, an OPS over 800 for the month of August. He went 5 for 10 with a double in the series against the Nationals. Excellent, excellent, excellent turn of events. you really um, uh, imperative and integral to what the Mets are trying to do 
uh, it will be um, Michael Conforto being Michael Conforto. J.D. Davis, who's been struggling a bit as of late. He had the hand injury. The left hand was still barking on him. He went five for nine with three doubles in the uh, in the National Series. Jonathan VR, who's going to be leaned on a little bit more uh, consistently. Uh, especially in Baez's absence, who's yet to return, but hopefully we'll see him this weekend against the Dodgers. Uh, he went five for nine with a big two-run homer late in the game. Originally was insurance runs, but boy, <laughs> insurance indeed. Uh, and again, you know, these are the types of things you want to see. Jeff McNeil came into Thursday hitting 299 over his last 148 plate appearances. I mean, everything's kind of coming together. It doesn't matter that this was against a not so great Nationals team. It doesn't matter that you have the most trying stretch of baseball for these Mets coming up. You go one game at a time, you build momentum, you try to keep momentum, and you keep pushing. I'm I'm going to be realistic. Yeah, the Mets track record this year does not say that, oh yeah, they're going to just snap right into it. No, but if you look at, their, at these individual players' track records, Um, throughout their careers, and if they can play up to their career averages, even down the stretch, you're going to have a shot. You're going to give yourselves a shot to get back in the mix. They're they're still in the mix. I think even with the sweep, and Atlanta's still playing right now. They're down 4-0. I believe the Mets will head into Friday a half game behind Philly. Right now, they're tied with Atlanta. They could leapfrog Atlanta if they lose, I believe. I, I Yeah. I guess that would be the case. You know what? I have I have this stuff right here. Do, 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 do. Yes, right now they're tied with Atlanta. Both a half game back of, of Philly. If Atlanta loses, they drop back. If Atlanta wins, the Mets are, uh, what, half game back of Philly and uh, one game. Oh, no, Philly and Atlanta will be tied again. My goodness. And the Mets still have two games in the uh, one game hand. On these teams, so hey, it's um, it's a crapshoot. It's still forty nine games left in the season. If the Mets can get through this West Coast trip with alive, that's it. If they can make it through this, that's not even a trip. I think they start at home, then go west, and then come back home again. Anyway, if they can make it through this alive, they got eleven games against the Nationals and the Marlins again. You come out of this with momentum. And you can really, really make some waves against those against the Nationals and Marlins for three series or four series straight, whatever it is. It's you know a lot can happen over the next few weeks, but uh, hang tight because Blake Harris from True Blue LA over at SB Nation, uh, follow along, please. Blake Harris on on Twitter, you'll see the the check mark. Uh, great coverage uh, of not of the Dodgers of the NL West. Uh, they got good prospects coverage, and the Dodgers farm is always fun to, fun to follow because they bounce around all around the league eventually. But uh, yeah, he'll be back with us, so please hang tight. We're going to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. And welcome back again. The Mets have a huge series with the Dodgers coming up this weekend. Uh, we, we've talked about turning points for, for weeks here, and then this is going to be a big one. It's going to be a big test. To talk about the series, um, our friend Blake Harris from over at True Blue, uh, excuse me, True Blue LA, that's a bit of a tongue twister, over at SB Nation. Uh, Blake's here to, uh, to kind of break down the series. What's happening, man? How's it going, Tim? Looking forward to talking about this series. We're going to be getting familiar with each other, playing two series within like a 10-day span. So the schedule goers... Uh, 
It's like they planned this on purpose with the uh, Dodgers playing amazing baseball, the Mets struggling. So couldn't have come at a better time for the Dodgers to play you guys, but also couldn't have come at a worse time for the Mets to be playing the Dodgers. Oh, and they it's it's not just the Dodgers been in four consecutive series. They got L.A., San Francisco, L.A., San Francisco. Oh, man. Oh, man. This is the gauntlet, man. This is the gauntlet. And, uh, you know, uh, the Mets, they, when we've talked about it plenty, they, they have uh, now they have ground to make up and they kind of kept their heads afloat and uh, they've battled through injuries. I think the Dodgers are kind of dealing with that now. They got a bunch of guys on the I.L., a bunch of very important pieces. Uh, I know Mookie Betts just hit the I.L. I know Gavin Lux, who you guys were expecting a, a lot out of this year, uh, has been up and down uh, coming back from hamstring, right? Yeah, I mean, he that's like kind of like the lost the lost guy in this whole thing with the Dodgers essentially rotating new injuries like on a day to day basis. But yeah, Gavin Lux, who, you know, like was the number two prospect in all of baseball, just I think two seasons ago or three seasons ago. Yeah, the Dodgers have been without him pretty much ever since the end of the All-Star break. So we're coming up on yeah nearly a month that he's been out. But yeah, when you got guys like, you know, Trey Turner, Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger that you can just fill into the lineup, uh, you can afford to be without the former number two prospect in all of baseball. Yeah, oh, I'm a big Gavin Lux fan, but, you know, that's um, kind of the tale of two cities. The Dodgers went out at the trade deadline and, uh, you know, beyond reinforced their lineup and shored up weak spots. And the Mets chose to kind of stand still. They, they brought in Javi Baez, they brought in Trevor Williams, but... You know, for the most part, that's all they did. You know, you look at the Dodgers and, I mean, being a Mets fan, we get to see Trey Turner 20 times a year if he's healthy. And, uh, you know, what a player. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the, the funny thing is, you know, like a lot of people are kind of like bashing on Dodgers fans for how we've been like reacting to Trey Turner saying like, oh, this is what, you know, he's been doing all along. We oh, we all knew that, you know, Trey Turner went healthy is like a top three all star in the game of baseball. And he's, you know, like a true five to a player. We're just excited that, you know, we're getting to see him with the Dodgers because, you know, no offense to the Nationals. We don't get excited when Trey Turner scores from first base on an infield single. When he does it with the Dodgers, that's getting us pumped up. So, yeah, we've. We, we've, we've known about Trey Turner. We've seen him firsthand, you know, back in 2019 in the playoffs, we saw him. But yeah, having that talent all of a sudden now at the top of your lineup, uh, we're appreciating it because, again, the, the amount of it. I mean, every team has just been dealing with injury after injury, but the Dodgers especially, you know, they've only had like their entire lineup healthy for, I think, four or five games this season. It's just at some point someone's always been hurt. And, you know, just two weeks ago, the Dodgers were throwing out a lineup that, fit, you know, featured Steven Souza Jr., Luke Rayleigh, Sheldon Noisy, like DJ Peters. And now all of a sudden you go and you, you know, you add a guy like Trey Turner. Um, wasn't necessarily a huge need for the Dodgers. You know, their biggest need at the trade deadline was starting pitching. They got that in Max Scherzer. And then Andrew Friedman said, you know what, let's just get more bang for my buck, add some insane debt with Trey Turner. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not every day that you can add, like I said, a top three guy at their own position. That's a difference maker at the plate on the bases, you know, in the field. So, yeah, I mean, what, what an addition for the Dodgers, because again, although they, I think are tied for the second best record in baseball, still have one of the best lineups, you know, in all of baseball, they've been hurting you. Like they've been throwing out some really horrendous lineups. I mean, it's been the triple a Oklahoma city Dodgers for a good month or two of the season this year. And it's nice to have, you know, real MLB players uh, back in the starting MLB lineup. 
Oh, most definitely. And trust me, from a, from a Mets standpoint, uh, we certainly hear you there. I mean, and you look down the Dodgers lineup and you're getting outstanding years from, you know, Chris Taylor, Justin Turner's just a, a timeless classic. Again, Mets fans know him well. Uh, Bellinger, you know, he's had a tough year. He's been hurt, but, uh, you know, he can come back and, and be that MVP level player again. It's just, it's a team that's very well set up for the postseason. You know, they've been there a lot recently. I think, they've, what is it going on? Eight consecutive uh, NL West titles? Yeah, eight, eight consecutive going for the ninth this season. Yeah, and, and you know, even in the rotation, you miss pieces and then you, you pick them right back up. I mean, this weekend, the Mets are going to face uh, Julio Arias, uh, Walker Bueller, and, and Max Scherzer. I mean, that is a, a buzzsaw if there ever was one. Yeah, I, I I saw your tweet on that this morning. I'm thinking, poor Mets. I mean that that is a a tough three game. Uh, you know, the fact that Julio Urias out of those three is like the worst pitcher when he's having a career year is probably going to be receiving Cy Young votes, and he's I guess like the easiest guy you got to face in your series, but he's the first one, and then you got to counter that with Walker Buehler and Max Scherzer. I mean, yeah, the, the amount of injuries and just everything that's happened with the Dodgers starting rotation this year. I mean, Buehler and Julio, those are the only two guys that are remaining from you know the opening day starting rotation. Clayton Kershaw hasn't pitched in over a month he's likely out for at least another month we know what's going on with the whole trevor bauer situation dustin may who through the first month was looking like he was going to take that next step and become truly like an all-star kind of pitcher he's out for the year with tommy john surgery uh you know david price they they've been really careful with him trying to build him up so he's been you know throwing three to four innings every outing tony gonsolin another guy where i believe you know he's still 25 26 years old uh was great for the dodgers last year as a rookie He's dealt with a number of injuries this year, so the Dodgers haven't really seen him at all. And it's just been, you know, bullpen game at least once a week. So the the addition of Max Scherzer was huge, but the fact that the Dodgers have been able to get by with so many bullpen games, so many spot starts, again, with only Walker Bueller and Julio Urias being the two constants in that rotation. Again, the fact that they've made it to this point, having, you know, the second best record in all of baseball, it, it, it truly is amazing because, you know, they came into the year with so much pitching depth. And, you know, again, we, we've seen it across all of baseball this year. There have been so many injuries. I don't know if it's just because, you know, the 60-game season last year, it's affecting a lot of guys. But, you know, I, I know the Mets have dealt with, I mean, the Dodgers rotation is nothing compared to what the Mets have had to deal with and with their starting rotation. When you have the best pitcher in all of baseball, you know, missing half the season, uh, you know, having, having Kershaw miss only a month is something that, that we can live with for sure. Yeah, I mean, the Mets – Coming into the year, they were hoping by June it would be DeGrom, Stroman, Walker, Carrasco, and Syndergaard. Carrasco just made his debut. Uh, I believe he's three starts in. Syndergaard, they're hoping to come back in a relief capacity in September. Um, they're still hoping that DeGrom can come back this year. Taiwan Walker's taken a, um, a big step back in the second half. A lot of home runs, more walks. You know, the Mets leaned on their starting pitching through the first half of the season. And there was a lot of turnover as far as injuries. I mean, you know, David Peterson was in there. Joey Lucchese was in there. Um, injuries struck everybody. And I think that's kind of a, a sign of the time, at least for the 2021 season. Um, uh, six, uh, 162 after 60 is just wreaking havoc. I think that that's going to, you know, looking back, I think we can all uh, come to a point that we could say, oh yeah, that had a really, really big effect, but you know, everyone's kind of getting by. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I know in the past the Dodgers had used 
or had visions of Bruce Dark Gratterall in the rotation, but since he's come back, um, he's been mostly in the bullpen. Do you see him being a, an option? No, I mean, unless he's being used as an opener, I, I think Bruce, I know what, especially when he was coming up, you know, with the Minnesota twins, I right, think right, right. the whole plan for him was, you know, let's try to get this guy as a starting pitcher, but especially in the last few years with how much depth the Dodgers have had in the starting rotation, you know, they, they've turned to him as, you know, like a, a real bullpen piece that they, you know, they envision him. I, you know, potentially a few years down the line, maybe as their closer, because this is a guy he's only 22 years old. So he's still, you know, younger than a lot of top prospects in all of baseball. He throws 102 with movement, but the weird thing is, you know, he's throwing hundred plus consistently. He just doesn't have swing and miss stuff. So they sent him down to AAA for a couple months this, this season. They're having him work on some of his stuff, some of his off speed stuff, which by the way, throwing like a 93 mile an hour slider. I don't know if that classifies as off speed, but <laughs> this is a guy where if he's able to just kind of figure things out, work on his swing and miss kind of stuff, which he's done recently. Ironically enough, apparently Justin Turner told uh, the Dodgers pitching staff to change something with his windup. And apparently ever since he changed it, he's thrown like five straight scoreless innings. His strikeout numbers are up. So if Bruce Rock Ratterall is again, able to, he doesn't need to be averaging like 14 or 15 strikeouts per nine, but you know, he was only averaging, I think six or seven per nine last year. If he can just get up to 10 or 11 strikeouts per nine, this is a guy where he can quietly, you know, turn into one of the best relievers in all of baseball. And like I mentioned, he's only 22 years old. So, uh, I mean, if, he, if he's able to figure it out, I mean, it's again, one of those Dodgers things that you traded away Kenta Maeda to uh, get this young, you know, 22 year old reliever that throws 102 miles an hour. Uh, if he can, you know, figure things out and develop into the pitcher, the Dodgers think that he can, uh, whenever Kenley Jansen steps down as the Dodgers closer, uh, you might have, you know, the next big thing uh, in the hall of baseball and Bruce Dark Ratterall. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised, man. That's an easy 102. Oh my goodness. How yeah. fun is that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I mean, effortlessly. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Oh, uh, it's it's extremely. I know Pitching Ninja uh, showcased him earlier this week, and uh, boy, that was that's something else. Now, I think the Mets fans we saw it with Edwin Diaz. Um, when you have a young pitcher who has so much natural stuff, as Gratterall does, as as Diaz does, as tons of guys do, it, it's a, it's a process of you know going from a thrower and growing into a pitcher. Um, if Gratterall can can make that transition seamless seamlessly, uh, yeah, he's a he's an absolute weapon. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I mean, and the crazy thing is, you know, he has the potential to be, you know, such a good reliever. But you look at the Dodgers bullpen, and you know, assuming everyone's healthy, he's like, you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh option in that bullpen. Again, assuming everyone's healthy, which is a is a daunting task to ask nowadays, but. Yeah, I mean, when you have a guy like that, that, you know, you don't have to like rely on as heavily. You don't have to say, okay, this has to be your eighth inning guy, you're our ninth inning guy if Kelly can't go, which I think is definitely, you know, going to help his progression where you can kind of still ease him into it. Like I said, they had him in AAA for about a month and a half, two months, having him work on some things. And they're slowly bringing him back now where, you know, they don't necessarily bring him into high leverage situations. They did the other day, which he, struck out Shohei Otani on like 101 with movement in the eighth inning, which was unreal. But yeah, no, look, looking forward to a uh, bruised dark Gratterall's development. I mean, again, it just the Dodgers um, I'm sure other teams just look at them and go, how are they doing this on a year to year basis? Whether it's them drafting guys and, you know, building through up, building them up in the farm, trading for guys like a Josiah Gray, where, they're not a highly touted prospect. And all of a sudden, two years later, they are a highly touted prospect. 
Or, you know, if they just trade major league guys for minor league guys like Bruzdar, who was pretty much like right on the cusp of being a major leaguer. I think he was like spending some time in AAA in the big leagues. And the Dodgers, again, they traded Kenta Maeda, who's been, you know, he was great last year for the Twins. This year having a really down year. And now all of a sudden you have a really young reliever. So the, the moves the front office, the, the, the Dodgers front office makes on a year to year basis across the board. Um I'm very selfish in that I love it and I love having it when other teams don't. But I mean, it really is unbelievable when you look at just every player, how they've come up. I mean, yes, they they make the trades for like the Max Scherzer and the Trey Turner. But the, the reason they're able to make those trades is because they have the farm system that they do, which I, I think over the course of the last decade, this year is like the worst the Dodgers farm system has been. And I think coming into the season, they were ranked like eighth or ninth. Um, so if you have a top 10 farm system after 10 years and being ranked ninth is your worst season in a decade, uh, you're doing something right, especially considering the fact that they've been, you know, the best team in baseball the last eight years or so. So top to bottom, it, it really is unreal, uh, what they've done. And like I said, I'm, I'm not taking it for granted, uh, what's been happening in the last few years. Oh, and, and trust me from, from Queens, we are, we've, we've been watching in awe and, and, and with, with a little bit of Welch's grape jelly and everything, like, <laughs> you know, it, after so long of being under the previous, um, uh, uh, watching things operate under the previous ownership group, um, you know, th- there's a lot of steam building up behind, um, Steve Cohen and in his ownership group here. And I think that they, he's even used that as an example. Like he wants to build a, a Dodgers type organization. That's just, I think he used these words as well sustainable success and and that's what the dodgers are doing just that that eyes on the prize mentality in in all of their moves that you know we're not missing a beat that that's that's what it looks like from the outside looking in and the mets are you know are still lacking in that capacity i think they could have acted a little bit differently at the trade deadline they could have uh you know the circumstances they've been put under as far as the injuries and bringing guys in and hey billy mckinney you guys got billy mckinney now (laughs) (laughs) he played really really well for a few weeks there but again you know he's billy mckinney and and the magic won't last and that's not a knock on him it's just the truth um but you know teams have to make moves and i think the mets for a while were doing all they could and i think where they uh an eye on the future. They, they, they really do have to take a page out of Los Angeles's book and, and, and uh, mind the cliche. They got to go Hollywood. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, so far, you know, in, in the new regime, they've been doing, you know, from my perspective, my view, a, a fairly good job. You know, it's just, I overall, I mean, this is, this is a Mets team. And I, I've told this to some of my buddies where, if they're able to fully get healthy, you know, they're able to figure things out. Luckily for them, this division race is going to go to whoever wins like 87 games. I mean, it's up for the grabs. I mean, if it, at this point, it looks like the Marlins are out, the Nats, they kind of tailed off. Um, they, they had some chance a few weeks got to the trade deadline when they were like six games back. And you're thinking, oh, there's an outside chance. But now it's going to be a three-team race. Uh, I, I said this, and I'll say this again. If the Mets are healthy, just the, if their starting rotation is healthy, that is a team I do not want to face in October. I mean, we, every year they say it pitching is, you know, what wins championships. And now again, like I said earlier, it's a daunting task to ask for a team to be fully healthy, but I mean, the Mets, the the position they're in, the fact that they've had so many players miss so many games. Again, I, I don't know if like, you know, their opening day lineup or their opening day starting rotation with the expectations were like how many games they fully had together, but you know, they have less than two months to hopefully get everyone on board. And like I said, come October, 
that's a, that's a starting rotation that would give me nightmares. The offense, uh, you know, again, that they can score three runs and that could be enough for the Mets. So I, I know it's, it's bad in Mets land, but the fact that again, they're as close as they are in the division race with the record they have, I mean, there's, there's a solid chance that the Dodgers can finish 16 games above the Mets and, the Mets will be playing in the NLDS and the Dodgers won't. So yep. it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I mean, again, if they're able to get everyone healthy, which again, they're in a good position where they don't necessarily have to rush anyone back because they're going to be within, it looks like four games, pretty much going down to the wire. Uh, well, I, I'm scared from, from a Dodgers fans perspective. I'm scared of the Mets in October, but again, that's if they're healthy, if they're not, if they somehow squeak in, win the division uh, and they're, they are the way they currently are right now. I have no offense taken. Bring me the Mets. Bring, bring me bring me the Mets in October. But then again, we saw what happened, what, five, six years ago when the Dodgers faced the Mets and Daniel Murphy was the greatest hitter that this planet has ever seen. And we know how that turned out. But it'll be interesting, an interesting final, you know, six, seven weeks or so, to say the least, in these uh, division hunts. Oh, most definitely. And, and I think you, you're 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 you're. Barking up my tree right now as far as uh, the optimism, because, you know, if the Mets can figure it out offensively and if they can bring back a a Jacob DeGrom and get everyone kind of back in line, yeah, they can make waves going into October, just relying on uh, on that old miracle Mets magic. It's, uh, you know, it's a crapshoot, but um, I think the tools are in place for sure. But on that note, Blake, I am um, absolutely psyched for this weekend. And then again, next week they they square off again in LA. Right. So uh, <laughs> it should be uh, it should be quite the week. Um, I can't I can't thank you enough for coming on. Where can everybody find you on social media? Yeah, if you're on Twitter, you can find me at Blake Harris TBLA, and that's pretty much all you can find me. I'm not a, I'm not much of an Instagram user, not much anything else. So if you're on Twitter. If you like the Dodgers or if you're a Mets fan and you want to just talk mad, mad smack over the next couple of weeks, <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I might engage back and forth stuff. So, again, if you just want to have some friendly back and forth at Blake Harris, TBLA, it'll be a fun, you know, two weeks. Because, like I said, I mean, this is I mean, at the beginning of the season, I looked at this and I said, this is going to be a, a brutal two weeks. I mean, even just a couple of weeks ago, it looked like a brutal two weeks now that the Mets are tailing off. But looking forward to it, looking forward to uh, getting to know the Mets over the course of the next 10 days, because that's all we're going to be playing. That's all you guys are going to be playing. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to it. Hopefully, you know, we can help each other out somehow uh, in the coming weeks in the standings. You guys are playing, like I said, you know, the Giants. We're playing the Phillies. And uh, hopefully we can help each other out and maybe play each other for a third time come October. Hey, and if we do, we'll be happy to have you back on the show, Blake. Oh, most definitely, because I know <laughs> there will be a lot to discuss uh, if that were the case. Most definitely. And everybody, really, follow along at True Blue, uh, True Blue LA. That's um, spelled out on Twitter. Uh, their SB Nation. Really, really good coverage of the Dodgers. And give Blake a follow. And uh, guys, we'll be back on on uh, on Monday with hopefully some uh, some good news to report. Let's go Mets, and we'll see you guys next time. Yeah!